Hi, my name is Ole Emanuel, and you're welcome to a new episode of In These Moments. One of my favorite things about doing this show over the years has been speaking to all kinds of people. It's been four years of taking interviews, and I always find myself blown away sometimes by the conversations that I have. Sometimes just having human moments with people, speaking with people about just their day-to-day lives, some experiences that, you know, tie us together, experiences that are different for us, things that I may not be able to relate to, but I can understand on a human level. Now, this story is a story that was on season one. It's a rebroadcast of episode three from season one. And the reason I'm putting it out again is because it's one of people's favorite episodes. It was the episode where I had three stories in one, but two of those stories were different from the third story. And those two stories are going to be on this episode today. It is currently Pride Month. When I looked at the month, I thought I had to drop an episode that was LGBTQ plus focused with stories from people in the LGBTQ plus community that I've spoken to over time. There's a story that I'm actually working on at the moment that is not ready, which I had planned for this episode, but that's going to come this season. So don't worry about that. But then my mind went to these stories. The two storytellers for this episode are Ronti and Juan Gary. I met Ronti at a friend's place um, about four years ago in New York. And um, we spoke about, you know, the podcast and him coming on the podcast. We had a great conversation. Um, Wangari is one of my good friends. I've been friends with her for a few years now. These two stories just give a look into the lives of people in the LGBTQ community on the continent and even outside the continent. Being gay, bisexual is still very taboo in most African countries. You have to deal with a community that's not so accepting of who you are. So these are two important stories, and I felt today is the perfect day to put it out there. If you haven't listened to this episode before, it's going to be your first time. If you have listened to it before, I think you still stick around because they're really good stories. Before we get to the stories, don't forget to give the podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, okay? Um, It really helps to get more people to come across the show and, you know, to add more people to the community we have here. Also, if you want to join the Patreon, the Patreon is patreon.com slash Wally. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Wally, where extra stories and extra episodes will be. Extra stories from these two stories will actually be present on the Patreon this week. So look out for that. With that said, let's get to Ranti and Wangari stories. My name is Ronti. I'm 26. I grew up in Surulere. Family of four. My dad has always lived in the United States. So I was mostly my mom, sister, and I in Lagos with a couple of other extended family members. He was living here and they met while he was on a trip back to Lagos for a while. And uh, then I happened and they had a short run wedding. And... Uh, he just continued to live here. Their marriage is mostly based on obligation. And I think it's not just them. I think it's a, dare I say, even a majority of Nigerian families are started and are kept together 
simply by obligation. She felt like she had to marry him and stay because she was going to have his kid. And he did everything he did. He sent money back. He eventually sent for us because he felt he had to. Honestly, I think if they weren't married, they'd probably not be involved at all. But such is life. I was really nerdy. I was mostly introverted. As I got older, I kind of felt like an outsider, mostly because I didn't care about the things that my peers cared about, you know. As we started to get older and my classmates started being typical teenage boys, running around all hormonal and mean-spirited and dumb, I was always just kind of on the outside watching. I was closer to the girls because they were more uh, level-headed, so I hung out with the girls more. I read a lot of books. I watched a lot of television. I started to listen to music too. I gravitated towards like rock music and uh, alternative music that started from listening to the radio. The big reveal here is that I'm gay now. Back then, I had no idea, of course, but I think other people caught on to that before I did because I would get teased uh, sometimes for either being too soft-spoken or just soft in general. I got into University of Lagos like September of 2010. So I had a bunch of friends that I was really close with then. But my closest friends I met about a year after that from Twitter. And we met kind of based on shared interests because at that point I was already a big, big rock music fan. So off of Twitter, I met my good friend and we bonded over that and, you know, we met up, he introduced me to a lot more in terms of music. And through him, I met my best friend off of Twitter as well. And, you know, we kind of bonded over the same things, the rock music, the, the writing and all of that. And they quickly became my clique. When I first met them, I knew that there was something different about them too. For a while, I didn't know what it was. I mean, I assumed it was like the creativity and the kind of the, the eccentricity of them because they're both interesting personalities too. I just figured it was that. I met E first and through him, I met D, right? But mm -hmm. D and I went to, we both went to Unilag and we all met over the course of one summer. After the summer, E went back to school in the North, leaving D and I in Unilag and I asked him to stay with me in my hostel. So we were spending a lot of time together. We we're kind of uh, hanging out heavy. And so Dee had asked me something about what did I like? Basically asking me what was my sexuality? It was a less field question because at the time I was essentially asexual. I was 18. I hadn't so much as kissed anyone. My mind never really went to sexual things. I wasn't masturbating or doing anything you'd expect an 18 year old boy would be doing so the question kind of came out of left field and i was like um i don't know nothing and he was like well you know i'm kind of confused what's the word he used i was like okay cool i didn't care but after we move in and we start walking around uh you know like together walking around we're kind of on the campus and we're checking out guys and it's the first time where because even though I had a very obvious attraction to guys, in 2009, for example, I have posts on my Facebook that I still see to this day. I saw myself posting dumb shit like, oh, Justin Bieber is kind of cute, no homo. Or, oh, Morris Chestnut looked so good in that movie. To me, that's posting it. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking completely innocent, like they just look good or whatever. It didn't add up in my head, but it was pretty fucking obvious. It just felt natural from there. It was like the light bulb came on in my head. Oh, wow. So this is 
what I've been thinking this whole time. Interesting. And then at some point, we realize we have to tell E when he comes back from the north. And so we do. And when we did, he's like, oh, interesting, because, well, I am bisexual. There's this guy I like. And it's like, oh, wow, okay. And it's crazy because it's a moment that's usually very heavy and emotional all the time. But with us, it was just so casual. Like like I said, me and D never even said the words. When we told E, it was also like, oh, okay, cool. After that, I definitely felt like I'd found my tribe, finally. By the end of the week, it's already understood between the both of us that we like guys. So by the beginning of next week, he's telling me about this guy on Twitter that he knows who was fairly popular on Twitter at the time, actually. They would tweet kind of witty, elitist kind of stuff. They had talked, uh, they'd met once, he was gay too. And so we got to talking, I jumped in these DMs. They were anonymous at the time. We exchanged messages and by like day seven, we're already exchanging love messages. We met one week after I started talking and we hung out that night. That night was actually my first kiss ever. It was my first like sexual experience with somebody else. I was 18 and we started dating immediately after that. So imagine this week I realized I'm gay and by the end of next week I have a boyfriend. That alone is insane. Mind you, this is Nigeria we're talking about. It doesn't happen that way. Like people rarely get to date. But that's how it happened for me. That lasts for nine months in total. And it was only after that that I then realized like, oh shit, I really have to navigate life as a single gay guy in Nigeria. And so I really get into discovering the LGBT society in Lagos. I would use apps and I met different kinds of people. Social life in Nigeria is very stratified by socioeconomic level, right? And it's the same thing with the gay society in Nigeria. You have your middle-class gays, you have your socialite gays, you have your upper-class gays. I think I'm lucky in that I got to see all the wrongs of that ladder. I met all kinds of people, really. Most of the time, the people you would see on these apps were old men who could barely write a sentence. There would be the married men that had no problem telling you they were married and would pull up to school and try to get you to do shit. I definitely met some interesting people too that way. There was this one man, for example. I remember when I first met him, it was like, it was kind of like almost dainty in my eyes because he was very, very handsome. But he was also very well-to-do. He worked in oil and the person I met was actually at the Sheraton. We like met up there and had dinner. It was all very classy. And he just looked and smelled like money. It was like, wow. So people really do live like this and are gay and don't give a fuck. The only real crime in Nigeria is being poor. If you have enough money, you can get away with anything else, including being gay. That was the first time I kind of realized that, I think, because he didn't give a fuck. He was hardly ever in the country anyway. He traveled everywhere, very cultured and rich and whatnot. One time, too, I remember meeting a bunch of them on the island. Um, him and his rich, mostly white friends, and just hearing them talk about the stuff that they got up to right there in that same Lagos, it made you realize really, like, if you are rich, you can get away with anything. On the other end of the spectrum, I remember this one time where my friends, well, they were dating at the time. So his his ex-boyfriend, who was also his boss at the time, long story, he, he took us to this one party, I remember, in Edmeda. It was far out it was like in the in the hood and it was at this motel 
it, that was the first time I really, really and truly saw a community, so to speak, because there was a whole bunch of guys there. And the police was there, but they were actually guarding the place. Apparently, their boss is like this butch lesbian woman. You have all these admirals there, like guys that if I saw in the street, I would I would run the other way. They're there. And you also had drag queens, which I'd never seen one with my own eyes until then. I found out so much that night. Apparently, they had pageants and shit. So many regular guys that you would never imagine. Here they are, just kind of having a good time. That was surreal. And that just kind of shows you how varied the people are in the community. I had a room in New Hall, right? I don't know if you know Unilag well. My best friend was staying with me. There were two freshmen, because each room has four occupants. So it was me, and I had my best friend squatting. The two freshmen didn't have anyone with them. So there's only one person left, right? But we could never even tell who the exact owner of that fourth space was, because there were like 10 niggas at least that would share with him. They would sleep in our room. They were there all the time, and they were all Yahoo boys. And I remember one day, after escalating tensions all year, one day it gets to the point where we're having a disagreement and they're like, oh, we're going to call the police on you. I'm going to tell them that you're gay. And I'm like, ha, that's fucking funny. How about you do that? Yeah. And then I'll call the EFCC and you have to turn your laptop to them. Let's see who goes to jail first. It, and that's really funny because it just shows you even an actual criminal felt like they had superiority over us because we're gay it's just fucking nuts i also realized men who are most secure in their sexuality i least like it to give a fuck what I, what anybody else likes when when i lived in lagos there were some friends of mine that were even straight and knew but they didn't give a fuck because they were just that straight in fact they would think of it like hey more pussy for me and those that cared so much yeah it was for other reasons I visited New York twice before I actually moved here in 2013. The first time I was still in a relationship, so I didn't really go out much. I was too busy pining for that guy. But then the second time we had broken up, and so I, it was when I really got to like go out and explore. And it was so simple, but so major, the freedom that you had to be able to like walk into a bar or uh, you know see people holding hands in the street and things like that. Here, it's not such a big deal, but coming from back there, it just, it meant the world. It makes me sad because my best friend is still back there. While we were there, like, as much as we tried to make the best out of it, it was still a fucking depressing environment to live in. But at least we had each other to kind of lean on through it. And then I left and it's hitting hard. And it's kind of eating away at his psyche, you can tell. And it's not just him. There's hundreds and thousands back there, especially now, they know what's going on. They accept their sexuality, but they can't really live as they want to because of the society. And that does something to you.
my name is Wangari. I am almost 30. I am a black woman, Kenyan woman, queer woman, teach chemistry. I was born and raised in Kenya, the only girl. I have two brothers. I went to an all-girls school. It was like a very like chill, like safe time. Like I've never struggled academically, so I didn't have like anxiety about school. It was more so like I get to hang out with my friends. I get to have access to more books that I read in my free time. And that's like, that was me. And swim, like swim practice. And that's it. When I was... 13, 14, I changed schools, a change on two things. So first I changed from the Kenyan system to a school that was a British system school. But even more weird to me was I changed from an all-girls school to a mixed school now. So that was around 14 was the first time that I was in a mixed school type of setting. I feel like that's the first time I remember being judged for my appearance in that way. Like from a you should look cute for boys perspective. I feel like that wasn't anything that I had thought about before. Now things that weren't important were suddenly important. Like, you know, knowing how to put on eyeliner, stuff that I hadn't, that weren't pressing to me beforehand. So my best friend, who's my best friend now, um, her parents knew my parents. So she already knew that I was going to be moving to this school. So the first day that I came to the school, she had to do an extreme makeover on me, like day one off rip, because she had already been at that school. So the first day I came, she immediately put me up on game, like, you can't be wearing those pants. This is the tailor where all of us get our pants. Those shoes, I don't know. You know, this eyeliner, this is like she put me up on game of how I need to present myself, essentially. So that was good. That was a blessing because I was not I was a nerd like I was good in class. And that's pretty much it. I didn't care about my appearance that much. Then sports, sports helped a lot. Like I feel like playing sports, you meet people you go on trips, like it's kind of like a easy vehicle to for people to know about you and for you to make friends. Two boys in my neighborhood liked me. So I was already in the position where they were like, basically just choose. But when I came to my school, I definitely wasn't one of the pretty girls per se. Like I was cute, but my friends were cuter. So I was kind of like in the middle. Anyone who liked me, I didn't like them. <laughs> as soon as I started this school, I switched my brain and I was like, boys, boys, boys. Like it has to be boys. Don't even think about anything else other than boys. And that's what it is, period. At this point, there's somebody who was a friend of mine that I had experimented with, who was a girl. I had experimented and it was fun, but I just took it as that and like, that was that. This was right before I went to the mixed school. Literally, I want to say that it was even like the holidays before. You hear a lot of stories of like girls who are you know, in boarding school together and they end up experimenting, especially at that age where you're like discovering yourself, you experiment with whoever you feel comfortable with. 
So really and truly at the time, I didn't even take it as a indication of my sexuality. Like I didn't internalize it in a sense of, oh, does this mean I like girls? Like it just was truly just a thing that happened. Like I knew that I wasn't supposed to tell anyone, but I didn't feel bad about it. From like 14 through 21, I'm only dating guys. I'm like, that's locked up. It's not happening. I'm good. And then I walk into this party. There's a chef there. Like, you know how in a movie, like two people can look up at the same time and they just lock eyes. Like it was literally one of those crazy situations. It's not even a party I was supposed to be at. Somewhere that my friends invited me to. And now I've walked in and I've met this person who was like everything that I've never even at that point, I hadn't let myself even think was possible. At this point, I live in Atlanta. I'm in college still, and I'm working. You know, like when you just know that you're about to make bad decisions? I knew I was about to make a whole laundry list of bad decisions, and I did, and it was worth it. At this party, there are people who know me who are Kenyan, and there are American people there. At this point, I have more friends who are African and queer at the same time, you know? But I feel like it's a very normal thing for queer Africans to have like two separate lives. So you have like your queer life where you can do gay shit with your friends who are usually not African. And then you have your African friends, your Kenyan friends, your Nigerian friends, your whatever friends that you do African stuff with. But those two worlds don't intertwine. So at this party, there are Kenyan people there. Already I'm playing with fire. I'm trying to mix two worlds that are designed to remain separate or that we're told are designed to remain separate. So I go on the balcony, she was smoking. I was like, oh, can I smoke with you? And that escalated. It was a party, so we were definitely drinking. But next thing I knew, we were standing like on the balcony and we were kissing, but I didn't realize that the blinds were open so everyone in the living room could see. So that definitely escalated quicker than I would be comfortable with. But I mean, shit, like now y'all know. I mean, what, what do you do at that point? That night was the beginning of my first relationship with a woman. At this point, everything is bad because number one, now people are starting to get concerned. Like, uh, what's like, what's up? Like, what's really going on? Because this doesn't seem like it's a one off. So now you're having to explain yourself and kind of like, I don't know, reassure people that you're still you. Like, don't freak out. I'm still me just with this extra thing that makes people freak out. I didn't have any really like formal conversation with any of my friends. It was basically like, y'all see what's happening, right? It's what it is. Y'all see me, right? Okay, cool. So after that situationship happened, shortly after I got into an actual relationship with a woman that I actually ended up living with for a little bit. So I think that it was also dawning on my friends at the time, like, oh shit, she's not fucking around type of thing. Like she's actually for real doing this. So that transition was weird. And I also feel like I projected a lot 
Because when if you feel weird in yourself, like if you're trying to figure yourself out, then you whatever negative you feel about yourself, you project other people looking at you like that. So maybe I'll feel like, you know, Wole is treating me differently after knowing this information when really it's just me projecting because at the time I wasn't comfortable with myself. So I was trying to figure all of that shit out. The woman I was in a relationship with was a little bit older than me. I'm like 21, 22. She was like 27, 28. Because she was older than me and had been very okay with her sexuality for a long time, there wasn't any pressure for certain things. Like she didn't care about me posting and like Facebook relationship requests and stupid shit like that. To me was a relief because when you're trying to navigate two worlds, stuff like that causes panic because that's going to threaten how you have your two worlds operating, right? When someone wants to try to cross over into this other world and it's like, mm. we broke up and the breakup ended up in me coming out to my mom. Breakups with women, they just hit different. I was in a very bad state. We broke up. I was crying. I'm not even that person. I was crying. Like, do you know how in a movie, the person is sitting on the floor and just bawling their eyes out? I'm also a very emotional person. I'm also a very dramatic person. I'm literally like so heartbroken. The only person I want to talk to is my mom. Like, I'm so sad. The only person in the world I can talk to is my mom. Like, I can't talk to my friends. I can't talk to my cousins. It would have been so much better if I just called a trusty homegirl, but that's not what I needed. So I call my mom and I'm hysterically crying. So it's hard for her to even understand what's going on. You know, any African mom, first she couldn't even hear anything. Then she could hear me crying on the phone. You know that their mind automatically goes to the extreme, extreme panic. The backstory is that my mom had recently come for my graduation. So when my mom came for my graduation, that's when I was like ultra, ultra, ultra in love. So my mom is in town for my graduation, obviously at my apartment. And my girlfriend at the time and I didn't live together quite yet, but she was there all the time. So we're playing it off to my mom as, I guess, a friendship. But my mom is not dumb. And also my mom would say weird things. Like my mom would ask her, like, you know, how are you going to get a husband if you keep dressing like that? So my mom knew this person, like my mom had seen this person and kind of like to me was kind of throwing hints like what's going on. But I guess not. So anyway, so I'm crying. Mom is like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Like, what is going on? Like she was starting to freak out. And I was like, I'm just really sad. You know, this person and I broke up. She was like, what? Like, what do you mean? And I was like, we broke up. And she was like like what like that's when I knew actually she didn't know anything like all of those clues that I thought that she was throwing that she knew she didn't she did not know anything so I basically explained like 
yeah, I was in a relationship with this person. I'm still crying the whole time. And we've broken up and I just, you know, feel so sad. So my poor mom, like, this is the thing. She couldn't even focus on that because her child was bawling her stupid eyes out. So she had to like make a judgment call and just focus on the fact that you're going to be okay, like coaching me out of this breakup. And then she was like, she said some things that mean well to mean well, like <laughs> she said she knows some people who are like that. She asked if it's because no guys want me. <laughs> I was like, what? If anything, I found it funny. I didn't feel like like she really tried though i think because the situation itself was crazy she didn't have this like blowout crazy reaction I really, really love that story so much. I still can't get over the fact that her mom had to, at that moment, make a decision to be her mother at that point. It's what you expect most parents to do. Unfortunately, that's not the way it goes for a lot of people. And, you know, some people have the opposite experience. But it's really great that her mom decided to be a mother at the point and just show her the love that was needed. Really great story. Ranty's story as well. I really like Ranty's story. I'm going to have more from both stories on Patreon, so look out for that. He has a lot more to say about some experiences in Lagos before he moved about the LGBTQ scene over there. But yeah, we've come to the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed the story. I've heard this story a lot of times, as you can imagine, because I'm putting it together. I had to put it together differently this time. I heard both of them again, and it still feels nice to listen to in two weeks, we're going to go into a different story. We're going to go into a story I enjoyed having. Another story that just shows how varied and how different we could be as Africans and how Africans are not one-dimensional as sometimes maybe we like to think. In two weeks, we're going to go into that story. And um, I can't wait to have that up for you. But yeah, we've come to the end of the episode. If you have stories you want to share with me or you have something you think I can explore, reach out to me on social media at King Wale. That's K-I-N-G-W-O-L-E. You can also find the podcast on Twitter at MomentsPod. That's M-O-M-E-N-T-S-P-O-D. And on Instagram at In These Moments Pod. Okay, see you in two weeks. Take care of yourself and bye.